0: Hello, Mel. How are you? Okay. I
1: had to create an account. It doesn't work by just clicking the link.
0: (laughs) Sorry? You had to what?
1: I had to create an account. It doesn't work just by clicking the link.
0: (laughs) Oh, really? Okay. I'm sorry about that. It normally does.
1: That's that's okay. I think everyone thinks the same thing because I've had to create so many bloody accounts this week from spurious bits of software. It's a nightmare. (laughs)
0: I know, I know all this, all this clutter, and it's all—it's all because we can't actually see each other. I
1: know, I know. I, know.
0: I don't know, but how are, you, how are you finding all this? How are you finding all this isolation business?
1: Oh, I'm like a, I'm a little bit like a bear with a sore head at times, and then other times I'm dancing around the kitchen. <laughs> it's a, yeah. uh, it's a challenge, isn't it? I don't find I, I'm not so bothered about the financial implications because I'm I'm a bit of a ninja disaster recovery planner from history so i have a lot of reserves so the mm. financial impact doesn't bother me so much as i find the emotional impact much harder uh yeah i don't don't particularly like the isolation uh i'm quite a bouncy uh, person that had quite, quite as you know quite a variety of life uh going yeah. on so uh yeah i feel a little bit like a caged tigger
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit like that myself i need i need to um I need to have some sort of human contact, yeah. um, and it's really not the same when you're trying to do it over Zoom and all other things like that. I don't no, think. No, um... I
1: don't think it's the same either. Um, I contributed to an article on it, although it wasn't that particularly in depth. It was a student that wrote it, but yeah. the, um, I, I shared a, a post. Nobody actually bothered reading it or looking at it, but one guy really described it well. This kind of deniability of a, an absence uh, that our bodies go through when we're talking through a screen rather than in person yeah. we're, we're here but we're not connected um it's disembodied isn't it um, yeah. and i find the extra layer i'm finding that i'm isolated my dyslexia isolates me further because to have to figure out how to do a multiple zoom call to dial into something that's got 100 people on Um, half the time by the time I've worked out how to get in I'm kind of late to the party anyway (laughs) so yeah Yeah, I'm finding it's too much the the kind of tech having to wade through and set up accounts is too much tech for dyslexic me so sometimes I just don't bother yeah yeah
0: Yeah. no it's I think everyone's everyone's experiencing their own difficulties, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I think it's very, very subjective to what kind of life you've had prior to lockdown. Um, Mm. Some people who who don't have a particularly uh, social strand to them probably maybe aren't experiencing it so badly. And others who are particularly social... We'll be experiencing the loss, and then there's all kind. Of, it's it's so many anticipated losses, isn't it? As well as real losses, uh, loss of yeah. work, loss of purpose, uh, the kind of possible loss of life, um, and the, um, the yeah, so the loss of just our ordinary routines. Um, it, it, it's quite. I call it. I describe it as a bit of an emotional whiplash. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That's a good point, yeah. yeah
1: it's a it's an abrupt stopping isn't it most of the things uh we do are um you know we can have abrupt stops like a redundancy but then we've got other coping mechanisms you know it kind of reminds me of a bit of a redundancy as my my clients have kind of drastically reduced down i've got some work but not as much Mm. um it it feels like a redundancy, but actually there is some financial assistance. But if we had a redundancy, I'm I'm, I'm finding the the scope of my sessions are changing because things that I might recommend, like staying connected, uh, not becoming isolated, getting out and and kind of take you know, seeing it as a bit of a maybe a bit of a holiday rather than uh, mm. staying in and moping around, we're having to change the way we kind of the suggestions or invitations we make because we have such less available to us yeah
0: yeah
1: yeah and no, it gets a
0: bit,
1: it, it, it gets a bit boring and uh, a couple of my therapist friends mm. of who um, have have held on to more of their clients online than than i have I, I, and i think that's because you know, the, the, the more traumatized you are the the, the less sometimes the less likely you are to use the video conferencing and online and and actually the the transition and change, people sometimes reject it and say, oh, I I don't want to do that. I'll wait till I can come and see you in person, not realizing how long the wait is. And so what's Mm. happened is some people have come back in in having pressed the pause button because they realize, actually, I'm not doing so well. And this is going to be longer than a few weeks. So, Mm. yeah. And a couple of my Mm. therapist friends said it's overwhelming trying to support other people polls, panic, and actually all sessions are very similar, Uh, not necessarily in content, but the subject is very similar and it's COVID-19, COVID-19. So Mm. sometimes the work lacks the variety. And we forget that – I think we also forget that all the stuff that was – here previous to COVID-19 still exists so yes. people are having miscarriages people are still in domestic violence relationships. yeah it, it doesn't hold it it um it's I like I twisted something in, I had a, pulled something in my neck and I was like oh I really like to see my physio actually I can't do that at the moment so um access to ordinarily stuff that keeps us well isn't so easy so yeah it's um, I think you kind of adjust, and then you something something happens, and there's another adjustment to keep making. So the the sand is always shifting. If that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You don't you don't realize until you know. I, I mean, I, I haven't realized how much I've taken for granted. <clears throat> you know, just just things like you know being able to go and see my partner. My, my partner and I don't live together, so
1: yeah.
0: At the moment, we're not supposed to see each other, so we haven't. Yeah. And Which is, think, you know, quite, it's actually quite difficult.
1: I think a uh, lots of people are experiencing what I call a living grief, and that's the grief of being unable to see. Um, uh, uh, partners, friends, family, which kind yeah. of gives us, I think it gives people, I mean, something that I've lived with for a long time, because I'm estranged from my own family, but it gives us a glimpse into the world of estranged parents, uh, alienated yeah. parents, mm. uh, and, and families that are disconnected, that actually, this is because of a virus, but for some people, that's their reality all the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah absolutely, yeah. I'm alienated from my family. Yeah, you know, well, you know, fairly much. I mean, I do, I do have, uh, I do have some contacts now. With, uh, well, two, two of my brothers have actually left the, left the cult we were brought up in. So I have some contact with them. I go, I go and see my dad. I can't, but I can't go and see him now. Yeah. Cause he's 89, and he's in a care home. And yeah. um, so I've been trying to get. Yeah, I've written to him. I've, I've actually sat down. You know, the old-fashioned things that yeah. we used. to do. I sat down and written him a letter with a pen. Um, yeah, I, I know he won't. Be, he probably won't be able to write back to me. But at least, at least I thought at least I can let him know that I'm thinking about him. So, uh, yes, absolutely,
1: absolutely. I think. The- there's just so many layers and different contexts for the you know the grief we're feeling, and of course when we when we have loss, we have helplessness. Um, I felt I felt quite helpless in terms of you know we're told to stay at home. It doesn't feel particularly heroic, does it? Being at home when when, no. when certain pop some of our populations are overloaded, and others of us are sat here on our asses at home. So you know, yeah,
0: it, no, absolutely, it, it, it does feel. <clears throat> Yeah, I can really identify with that, Mel, because, you know, I, I'm somebody who sort of vol- who volunteers my way out of feeling bad, I suppose. Um,
1: yeah, you're absolutely like right.
0: And, yeah, I like to go and help out. And so I've, I've tried to volunteer for the NHS volunteer scheme and they were oversubscribed. And um, I tried to volunteer for a local COVID-19 support group and um, they haven't actually given me anything to do yet. So I'm thinking, no. well, what? What can I do to help I mean, yeah. one of the people I need I need to be helping um,
1: I, I think that's a lot of us at the moment i've just uh, mm. offered uh on my kind of social networks to say i'm going to do my weekly shop next week Does anybody you know I'm, I've got the list for my neighbors um and uh, if anybody else needs anything, I can pick it up and drop it d- drop it outside that's your brilliant. house but it it doesn't feel enough does it at times like this no. I think there's a there's a, there's a sense of helplessness and actually that helplessness can flip us into anger, uh, or rage um and, and, and that's that frustration and stuckness can boil over. I'm quite fortunate to live with a partner and two cute sausage dogs and it's quite calm and quiet here but there will yeah. be fam there will be families who are feeling on top of each other. Um, and also I'm sat in the garden in a hammock talking to you as it's How a sunny you? day. Yeah as, as it's a sunny day. Um, yeah. But actually there will be fam you know families in tower blocks or people who don 't have gardens, and so everybody's in you know different contexts and and some are easier or harder than others and I flip from you know we all talk about you know gratitude don 't we in these moments of being grateful and you know uh, reframing the stuck at home to safe at home. But we yeah. all flip. We we'll all flip from, from to our our you know woe is me moments too. I think, and I think that's quite normal and natural. Um, mm. what, what I really struggle with is all that you just got to be positive, and and how that's used to invalidate how people are experiencing the the lockdown and the emotions that it that it kind of conjures up. Yeah, off. Yeah. Mm. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So maybe you could tell us a couple of things about. Um, you know, some heartbreak decisions that you've made in your life and no.
1: Oh where do we start, Graham?
0: <laughs> well, this might I've I got know. about twenty minutes. Got about 20 minutes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I guess one of the defining ones would have been walking down the path at sixteen, uh, from my kind of birth family. Um yeah. there was physical and emotional abuse there and um um my parents were arguing over something, kind of, I don't even remember what it was now. And and feeling the cause of those arguments and feeling like I've had just kind of up to the brim, really full up with it all. Um, I've mm. survived a couple of um, kind of uh, situations where my mother tried to drown and strangle me as a little child as well. And so the physical abuse lessened as I got older and could fight back but actually emotional abuse was still very much going on and I I kind of I guess I just had a sense that I had to walk out I had to leave to stay alive and stay sane and so Mm. um yeah I think between 16 and 17 I I walked out of the house with a carrier bag of um I, I think I had a carrier bag of clothes with me and um, didn't really know where I was going. I actually went mm. to work, because I was working. I had a job. Um, and and I, I just read, read I read, rode the night buses for a night or two, um, uh, just because I didn't have anywhere to go, so I was effectively homeless. And it mm. wasn't until um, I was stood at a bus stop outside of near work, um, uh, waiting for the bus, um, to take me away from work um, and just fill time until work the next day. When a bus pulled up uh, and said to me, uh, do you want a lift, get in? I was like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm okay, thank you. And she was like, I think you need to get in the car. And I was like, no, no, I'm okay. I'm, okay. I'm getting the bus. And she was like, get in the car. So I got in the car. And then mm-hmm. she kind of said to me, what's going on? Um, and I, I said, oh, um, I, I, I've left home and and she kind of said, I guess something was going on because I wasn't as well kept as I normally was. I was a little bit distracted, um, mm. although turning up for work. And she actually um, put me up in, I slept on her sofa for quite a few um, weeks until I was able to rent, privately rent a A bed sit. Um, Mm. um, They were tough times. I lived on ten pounds a week, and there was times where Mm. I would walk to work because I didn't have money for the bus, Mm. Um, and I'd go without food because, and I didn't have a pound for the electricity meter. Um, So yeah, uh, not good days. Which is why I'm so well reserved and stocked up now (laughs) from those from those days. So yeah, I think leaving home, and I wasn't really old enough to be out in the world, so. Um, I struggled with with, with that, with not having a support network. Um, I could try and go back, but uh, relationships, um, I wasn't particularly welcomed back, and so I stopped trying to build that bridge at some point. Um, I guess that's why I'm so passionate um, now about uh, uh, relationships and helping the clients I do from my own, I say from our own um, anger and pain. Passions are born, aren't they?
0: yes absolutely yeah, yeah that, absolutely and so mm.
1: yeah so that was a very uh kind of i guess uh, turning point it didn't all it wasn't all plain sailing from there you know i, I kind of roller coasted from job to job and had a lot of um struggles that probably don't have huge amounts of time to go into but um i guess another pivotal point was leaving the corporate world <laughs> um after yeah. after depression burnout and um mental health issues that had me in psychiatric hospital for a while. I I gave Mm. up trying to be enough in the corporate world and walked away, Um, not really knowing where I was going or what I was going to do. Um, It wasn't a a lot of people kind of quit one job and they want to start a business. That was never my uh, kind of life plan. It was never that planned. I literally just knew that the long hours behind a desk um, were killing me um, physically and, and and mentally and I was mm. always trying to you know keep up on, on with the kind of the work treadmill and um, it was yeah. making me really really sick. I had some other mm. struggles that I didn't realize at the time and that was kind of I'm neurodiverse so dyslexic and dyspraxic so um, we kind of have to work like 10 times harder just to just to stand still sometimes. um, And I didn't Mm realise that at the time. Um, So, yeah, I walked away from the corporate world and just took, um, I went to do some volunteer work in Sri Lanka, um, with um, yeah. with elephants. Um, I can remember yeah. the director saying, you know, well, where are you going to work next? And I said to him, well, I'm actually going to Sri Lanka. And he was like, really, what are you going to be doing there? So I said, well, I can shovel shit here or I can shovel shit in Sri Lanka and it seems quite nicer <laughs> there than, than rainy Birmingham. So that's where I'm going. He didn't quite believe me, <laughs> I don't think. But I did. I went for three months. It gave me some time yeah. to sit and reflect about what am I good at? What could I do? Uh, to kind of earn a living and anyway I came back and uh, I was working for Central Trains in the recruitment department and this company called in and I'd never heard of them before so I asked them what they did, and they said they helped people get back into work. And I'd always been quite good mm. at the interviews, so I said, could I, could I come and work for you? And they were like, are you for real? Your salary is like four times what we are paying. And I was like, it does, I'm not so bothered about the money. I'd rather be happy. And so yeah. I, I worked for them for just over a year as an employment coach, and um, from yeah. there I got headhunted to go and work for Connections as a mentor. Um, and then I went to work in Windsor Green as a drugs worker. Um, and mm. what was, what I didn't realize was I was obviously, um, working with lots of different, uh, disadvantaged client groups and lots of different, yes. different age groups too. I also did some work uh, as a youth worker, um, in the evenings. I think at one point I had four jobs that I was doing all at the same time. Um, so mm. pretty full up. Yeah. And, um, the common denominator for all of all of that was really mental health issues people often called lazy or uh, marginalized Mm. and I realized that they had you know mental health issues or trauma related issues and so I that's where my counseling training started Um, and uh, fast forward and 15 years on and I'm still working as a, a as a therapist as you know I guess the other walking away away that was quite significant was my, um, I took a, uh, I I decided to apply for a clinical doctorate having struggled academically, Um, I didn't at this point know that I was dyslexic Um, and I managed to get on a course um, after being turned away from several And only a couple of months in, I was feeling really swamped and overloaded and just not really enjoying the process at all. And then one day on a sunny afternoon in London, um, my partner was down with the dog because i would broken an ankle, so he took me down. And I thought, I don't want to be here. I actually would rather be in London enjoying the sun with my partner and my dog. And so, and this guy was, you know, lecturer was kind of banging on about coding data. And I just thought, what are you doing here? Why are you putting yourself through this stress? And so um, I just stood up. And in the middle of the lecture, I just said, "I'm, I'm going. And they were like, oh, you're not feeling well. I said, no, I'm going. This just isn't for me. And I walked off the doctorate. I paid eight grand for that (laughs) year's uh, doctorate. And I just thought, you know what? I have a nice life. I had all these kind of things about needing to be good enough. And, you know, I needed to be Dr. Mal. And then I'd be able to write a book and everybody would take me more seriously if if I was a doctor. And then. It, it was I had a conversation with somebody very wise and she said to me Mel you already make a difference and you can make a difference by just being you without without that title and um, I, I feel quite emotional as I say that because she was right and and mm. I, I realized that everybody in that room was after this title and this piece of paper Um perhaps to feel good enough and so, yeah, the pinnacle moment of walking away was, was I'm good enough as I am and I don't need to put myself through five, six years of what felt like digging to France with a teaspoon. And so, yeah, I, I dumped the doctorate. And we joke that I am not Dr. Mao, making a difference. But-
0: Maybe you should advertise yourself as not doctor now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's
1: the
0: quite... anti aunt, doctor.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, we I help people um reconnect to themselves and to uh, you know, their loved ones um and heal from life's traumas. Um and actually I've i've done nine years of study before i got my diagnosis with the help of a partner to write all the essays so i'm Mm. i'm as as qualified um unfortunately the counseling world isn't as respected as the um the medical world um but nevertheless i've i've made a a nice life for myself despite the Mm. difficulties um uh of, of early life trauma and um and the neurodiversity, which which I discovered later on, which meant yeah. peeling off some labels of stupid and clumsy for dyslexic and dyspraxic. Yeah.
0: Mm. No, you. Well, you certainly. You're certainly an inspiration to me.
1: Thank you. you know, I, it's a word I sh- uh, I struggle yeah. to kind of wear.
0: <laughs> no, I, I know. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit same. I've got a, you know, I've got a story which. Um, is not not completely dissimilar to yours, yeah. as you know. Yeah. But, um, I when it's actually taken me quite a long time to accept the fact that people find me inspirational. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it just involved me, I've just got on with my life. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I have a huge amount of respect for your profession as well, um, because you know, I I wouldn't be where I am in my life now if it wasn't for the fact that I'd gone and had some pretty. Um, Pretty deep down counselling sessions yeah. back in the 1990s, and um, you know it changed my life. And so I always say to people, you know, if, if you're not happy with who you are, go and talk to somebody. Like go and talk to somebody like Mel. Thank you. Because um, yeah. yeah, you know, it, it it certainly worked for me.
1: It's so much more than just talking. And um, people, often people say to me, I didn't think talking would help, but it's it's about mm. being accepted. It's about creating that climate for growth that we haven't had often as little yeah. people it's about being able to move from pride, um, shame through to pride and i think it's really about also um, for, for with, with with particularly my, the way i work it's about educating people about the neuro their neurobiology about how our bodies work yeah. I was just helping somebody mm. earlier on Twitter who was saying he doesn't understand why he can't sleep at the moment. And I was able to explain right. explain to him that with the level of uncertainty we're experiencing, it will put our bodies yeah. into fight flight mode. And so your flight wants you to um, be productive and go and help. And his flight is keeping him awake at night because he's probably got a lot yeah. of stress hormones and adrenaline in his system <laughs> So I was able to mm-hmm. give him some ideas at what might help with that. I actually wrote a post for LinkedIn today because he he doesn't realise, what he inspired me about oh what can I what can what can I do to be of use today? Mm-hmm. So um, it's all connected, isn't it? As as people kind of oh, uh, as people kind of say I'm struggling with this, it sparks up my brain. Well, if you're struggling, other people will be. So you know, I might attempt. You know how how awful I am at writing. I might attempt to write an article about uh, uh, you know a, 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 a hypo filled article about it but it's it's you're not you're not
0: actually you're not actually an awful writer at all as i I, as i've said to you when i've commented on your linkedin post you're a wonderfully creative writer yeah thank you
1: i've kind of worked out that i'm better at creative writing than structured structured articles i i kind of struggle i tend to repeat myself a little bit and i um I, i I write from the heart. So normally when I'm kind of a bit fired up, I I write. And I struggle because like, there is so much information in this head that getting that out into a... Um, a piece of writing I don't find that process particularly easy and I never know where to stop either because it, when you're writing about humans I and mean, you start writing about anger and then you end up talking about grief and then you end up talking about the physiology of the body it's kind of never ending <laughs> so mm. I struggle to know where, no, to, where right. to cut off and kind of yeah
0: I, doing more podcasting. I keep, yeah. You probably speak about it.
1: Verbal is definitely easier for me than than the written form. I, I often say, I think somebody just needs to lock me in a room, talk to me, and write it all down. <laughs>
0: well, that could be that could be a thing, couldn't it? That could be. A thing. Yeah. You can, you, know, you can actually dictate. I believe now that you can. this uh, technology, software, whatever you want to call it, that you can. Uh, you can actually dictate a little prince think for you, I so. think you
1: can, but dictation's a flat medium for me. I think the talking to somebody yeah. else and having somebody else uh listening and ans- ask you know, when I answer questions, um that's how my brain yeah. is best sparked up. So I love I, I quite like being interviewed because it's a conversation and I've often said I'm far better at at conversations than presentations, which is why I, I, I quite like the <laughs> quite like doing bits of radio because it's just a conversation. Um, I can't see an audience, and so for me that's less exposing. Although I have started to do audiences, as you know, with bits of poetry and uh, and, and showing up when I'm asked here. Yeah, that's the that's the yeah. difficulty, isn't it? When we when we have such shame histories, it's it's showing up and managing those symptoms that created in the body I remember the first time I took to the stage I wasn't sure if I was going to wet myself or have a panic attack
0: mm. yeah
1: because there's something yeah,
0: I know. I, you know, I, I, I'm somebody who I've earned my living from delivering training and speaking for 25 yeah. years but when I when I was a child um I used to go bright red if anybody spoke to me and uh, I used to stammer yeah. Um, yeah. and you know so fortunately my parents uh, Took me to a speech therapist, and um, that kind of got rid of the stun, Although it still comes back occasionally if I'm really nervous or not quite sure of myself. Um, and I think speaking in public is something that I don't think anybody's born able no. to do it. I think it's something um, you know. I've I've practiced and practiced and practiced yeah. to the point where I, I actually enjoy it now. You know, I enjoy. In fact, I'm I'm missing I'm missing my work. Yeah. I'm missing the 'cause I'm missing, you know, with all this what's going on at the minute, I'm actually missing my work and missing working with people. Um and uh yeah, ho- hopefully hopefully things will get back to something resembling normal uh before too long, although I think it's gonna be quite a while before everything's maybe maybe we'll have to create a new normal. Yeah. What would your to finish off with, what would your new normal look like? I think- I think think? I'm
1: kind of living it at the moment, but it it wouldn't be sustainable long term because fundings would run out. Um, I really don't, I I really struggle to uh, think of a new normal that doesn't doesn't incorporate touch and it doesn't incorporate humans. I think otherwise, you know, I could adapt to a world of online therapy, but um, I too miss uh, my work in the format that it used to be in. They also miss my spin yeah. class my boxing uh laughing with the girls mm. in when we meet up for lunch so um i can i think we can cope with it we can cope when we know it's temporary when we know it will come to an end and and that's kind of the definition of trauma there is no there is no past present and future there's just the stuckness of now um and so yes. i keep um reminding myself and and when i 'm supporting other people that it's not forever it 's for now, and that 's quite comforting for mm. us, I think to know that um, and and I think people keep saying you know that you know that you know, the world will have changed for sure, but hopefully not beyond mm. recognition and not beyond repair because I believe there's always hope of repair um when things haven't gone well. Or,
0: Yes yeah I think um, <clears throat> like i certainly look forward to having some some degree of normality back hopefully before before too long and when when we get normality back we'll we'll all have to meet up in the little beast, beast in, in Wolverhampton for um, wine and tap us one night I think that be I, I, that'd be a nice thing to I, I think to one do. thing
1: that the virus has made us all aware of me probably was also aware of this before because of the lack of relationships in my life I've worked hard to nurture the ones I have but I think it's made us all Mm -hmm. aware of the importance of relationships it's had the workaholics ground to a halt and they're kind of forced to maybe attend to their relational world a little more uh, and some have really, some have yeah. really embraced that, and some will fight it tooth and nail and take themselves off to the yeah. shed to to play on with work.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I think you're right. I think some people. Did, I mean, I, I actually, funnily enough, one of the last days work that I did before this happened, um, I, w- I was working with a guy who was literally the worst worker yeah. I've ever come across in my life. He just could not switch off work. He'd already had. He'd already had some sort of heart trouble, but he hadn't learnt from the experience, and um, he was he was just literally com- almost completely manically attached to his yeah. work, um, and realised that he was having the problem that seemed to be completely unable to There's- stop it. And um, I wonder what's actually happening to him. Yeah, there's a
1: lovely book by Terence Riocord, I don't want to talk about it. And he talks about how men restore their self-esteem often through grandiose behavior, Mm. of overworking and building empires, but they sometimes uh, miss and uh, avoid their relational world. Um, I think it's often related, uh, seated in some forms of trauma from our uh, earlier lives, mm. that, in, that kind of, you know, it's much easier to work than it is to sometimes weigh through the complexities of relationships, oh,
0: which brings me on to the Yeah, I was I, I like yeah. that at one point. I, I was like that at one point in my life. I was in a, in a relationship that I shouldn't have been in, and I was very unhappy yeah. in it. And so I just went to. Work all the time. I think that's what um, happens
1: with couples. Percent. You end up with a, you can end up with a an mm-hmm. intimacy gap where somebody's saying, "Where are you?" and the other person saying, "But I'm working as hard as I can. I can't do any more." But it's often the emotional rift that is difficult to repair. Yeah. Mm.
0: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Well, I think that brings us to a, ni- a nice place to start. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you so much, for sharing all your insights with us so i'll let you know when i've um, when i put this out into the big wide world for people to okay. listen to and um i really look forward to i'll, I'll keep you in touch on linkedin and social media uh, and hopefully meet you up again soon after after some kind of normality comes back to our lives i
1: look forward to that too and thank you for inviting me to
0: talk with you today you yeah, most most well thank you thank you for being here thank you for then enjoy, enjoy the afternoon I in your I'm
1: will. Take care, Graham. <laughs>
0: well, you take bye. care. Thanks. Bye now. Bye. Right, bye.